0: We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you.
1: The reading is taken from Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 11, and you can find that on page 59 in the Pew Bible. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labour. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? A man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now, a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Ruel asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying... I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Is God willing to prevent evil, but not able to? then he is not omnipotent. Is he able to prevent evil, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? Those words were written by a Greek philosopher many centuries ago, but they've resonated with people ever since. They're the kind of questions that you might be asking this morning. Maybe you're exploring the Christian faith and you're visiting with us either online or in person if that's you we're delighted to have you with us we love having new people here and if we can do anything at all to help you uh, as you explore the Christian faith please let us know so maybe that's you you are here uh, and the existence of evil and suffering in the world that is a big issue for you or perhaps you're a follower of Jesus but you look at all the suffering in the world and find it hard to trust in God's goodness and power. Is God willing to prevent evil but not able to? Is he able to prevent evil but not willing to? Those questions might be particularly pressing for us this morning on our minds on this Remembrance Sunday. As we remember the the horrors of war, past and present, we might be asking if God is really able and willing to deal with evil. We might be asking if he really is good Some of you are here because of the war in Ukraine. And whether you're Russian or Ukrainian, it is devastating for you to see the war there. And we're grieving with you, praying for, as Sue was praying earlier, for an end to that conflict. Others of us are here because we wanted to remember loved ones. And as Andrew said, we'll be doing that later in the service. So I imagine for all of us, in different ways, those questions are really important to ask. And those are precisely the sort of questions that I imagine the the Israelites were asking in the first two chapters of Exodus. Last week, we saw the people suffering a, a terrible persecution over many decades at the hand of the Egyptians. And this morning, we're going to hear two things that will help us with those questions. This passage is going to show us what God is really like. A God who is both able and willing to deal with suffering. We're going to see two big things this morning. That God is a God who cares about our suffering. And that God is a God who provides a rescuer. God is a God who cares about our suffering. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. And we see it from the final verse of chapter 2. If you've closed your Bible, it would be a great help to have it open uh, to that chapter. And look with me to the end of chapter 2. This is Moses. He's looking back on the events of Exodus 1 and 2. And he's also looking forward to what's going to happen in the rest of the story. And this is what he says, verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. If I asked you uh, what pictures come into your mind when you think of God, I wonder what you'd say. What do you think of when you think of God? When I was at theological college, we were sent out on an assignment one day into the town centre to uh, talk to people about whether, about things like whether they would describe themselves as spiritual, whether they pray, things like that. And uh, and one woman said this. I'll never forget what she said. She said, the God I worship is a God I have imagined for myself. My God is exactly as I would like God to be. She had invented a God of her imagination. But here's the wonderful thing about this book, the Bible. In it, the one true and living God reveals himself to us. We're not in the dark. We don't need to make up a God in our imagination. He's told us graciously what he's like. And we learn some glorious things about him in those words at the end of Exodus 2. First, we learn he's a God we can cry out to in our suffering. Verse 23, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. Presumably, they'd hoped that the new king would be better than the old, but But if anything, he's worse. The oppression continues. And so they groan. They cry out to God. That is a really healthy thing for Christians to do. Groaning or crying out to God is talking to him about the things that cause us pain, about the pain of the world around us. It's saying to him, God, I need you to help me with this. That's what it means to cry out to God. So if you are going through really hard times at the moment... Can I suggest reading something like the Psalms? Just praying a psalm as a way of giving voice to your cries to God. So we can cry out to God and he's a God who hears our cries. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help went up to God. God heard their groaning. You know, sometimes it feels To us, like God is really present with us. We really feel His presence with us. And at other times, it feels like He's gone missing. Well, whatever our feelings, God hears all of our groaning. He's all knowing. He hears every prayer, every cry that you and I will ever utter to Him. And then He's a God who's faithful to His promises. God heard their groaning and He remembered His covenant. We saw last week, even though the Israelites couldn't see what God was doing, he was at work behind the scenes. He was bringing about his promises to his people that he would make them into a great nation in a promised land, enjoying his blessing. And we're going to see God continuing to answer those promises as the book of Exodus continues. It's what Moses means by saying that God remembered his covenant. It's not that God had forgotten his promises. It's that now is the moment where God was choosing to act on them. And God is still that kind of promise-keeping God today. He's been keeping his promise to build his church. There are, there are great multitudes of people throughout the world who worship Jesus. Who, who enjoy, like us, the blessings of following him. And who enjoy the, the promise that one day he will come back. And we'll enter into that final promised land, the new creation. In the presence of God, apart from the presence of pain. So we can cry out to God in our suffering. He hears our cries. He's faithful to his promises. And he cares about our suffering. God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God was concerned about their suffering. Literally, that means he knew their suffering. He knows my suffering. He knows your suffering. And he cares deeply about it. I wonder how that picture of God from these verses compares to your picture of God. How wonderful to know that this is what God is like. He is a God we can cry out to, When we come later on in our service to that moment where we can light a candle in remembrance of someone we love. That is a way of crying out to God in our grief. But as you do that, you do that knowing that he is a God who hears your groaning. That he is a God who is faithful to his promises. Today on Remembrance Sunday is a a great opportunity to remind ourselves of, of this rock solid promise from Psalm 46. One day God will make All wars to cease to the ends of the earth. On that day when Jesus returns to establish his new creation. And even as we wait for him to fulfill that final promise, we can go through life knowing that this is the kind of God he is. The kind of God who cares about our sufferings. The kind of God who who meets us in those sufferings. Who we can cry out to and says, I care. I see your sufferings. I know them. And if that is what God is like, a God who cares about our sufferings, then as Jesus' followers, if that is who we are this morning, we are going to want to care about the sufferings of others too. That is why it is is really good that we are at a point in church life where we are thinking really carefully about how we respond uh, to the rising cost of living. Uh, there are some, some people who've been wonderfully involved in, in planning and praying towards that. And we're now in a position to be able to, to talk about some of the needs that we have as a church family uh, to reflect God's heart for the suffering. Uh, one of those needs is, is to grow our pastoral care team. We have a wonderful pastoral care team. Uh, they give a huge amount in serving us and we're really grateful to them. Uh, but we could do, really do with one or two men to join that team. Uh, so if that could be you, uh, do come and speak to me or to Carol Trower after service. And then are we ready to show God's care to the community? H- here are some concrete ways that we could get involved. On Fridays, we're uh, planning to open a cafe, uh, a, fr- a, place, uh, a free place for people to drop in free tea, coffee, soup, uh, and an opportunity to, to experience through us uh, the love of Jesus. We're also hoping to create some space in the centre where people can come and work from. They'll be able to enjoy the warmth of the centre, free tea and coffee, and again, a welcome from us as a church family. We already run various ministries, Salam, the English classes for women, uh, and uh, ministries to those who are homeless, ministries to refugees, and to the food banks. So you can get in touch if you think you could help with any of those ministries that are already happening. And we're really keen to support things that are happening uh, elsewhere in Croydon. Uh, things like the Christians Against Poverty Debt Centre. So there'll be training available for people who would like to get involved in that. And we've set up a financial support fund. Uh, if you haven't heard about that yet, that is, uh, the details of that are on the website. And you can give to that if you're in a position that you have surplus to give so that those who are in financial hardship uh, can be blessed by us. As a church family, you might like to consider giving out of the energy rebate that you got from the government. So if you have a heart to get involved in, in any of those things, uh, all of the details are, are, came out in the Friday email. They're on the website as well. And if you want to get involved in any of those things, you can speak to Al Rosevear, to Matt King or to Carol Trower. They've all been involved uh, in getting us up and running with this. And you can email them at CWW at but again, all of the information about that uh, is in the email that came out on Friday. So what is God like? He's a God who cares about our suffering. That is who we're called to be as well. But, but maybe that picture of God it just doesn't seem to fit with your view of the world. Perhaps as I've been speaking, you've been thinking, but how can I know that that is what God is like? when I see so much evil in the world? How can we know that God is good in the face of war? And that brings us to the second thing that our passage teaches us about God. We're going to look at it more briefly, but it's really important. God is a God who provides a rescuer. Last week, we saw how in the midst of God's people's suffering, he was at work. He allowed the baby boy, Moses, to grow up in Pharaoh's household. It looked like maybe this was the the person through whom God was going to bring about the rescue of his people. And then it feels like everything goes wrong. Moses gets into a fight in verse 11 with with a man, an Egyptian, who is beating up a Hebrew. Uh, And he ends up killing him. He thinks no one's noticed, but actually the story spreads like wildfire and he has to flee from Pharaoh's anger. It seems like God's plans to deliver his people have been derailed again. But actually, when we look closely, we see God is at work precisely in this. See, what God is doing in these verses, verses 11 to 22, is he is preparing Moses for the ways that he will eventually bring the people out of Egypt. Look with me, and and I'll show you where I'm getting that from. We're told in verse 11 that that Moses went to see the sufferings of his own people. Uh, And that's exactly the language that God uses about himself in the next chapter when we're told that God had seen the affliction of the people, his people in Egypt. In other words, when when Moses rescued that Hebrew from the Egyptian who was beating him up, it was a picture of how God would rescue all of his people. And then there's another picture. Moses, he flees to Midian, and as he's sitting by a well, he notices that there are uh, these shepherds who are cruelly preventing these daughters of Ruel from drawing water. And his compassionate heart goes out to them. Verse 17, Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. Today, we honor those who have put their lives on the line uh, to secure the freedoms we enjoy. And and that is what Moses does in these words. He, he, He puts himself on the line for these women. He comes and rescues them. And again, here we're meant to see a picture of how God will rescue his people from Egypt through Moses. We know that because the word rescue in verse 17 is exactly the same word as the word used to describe how God brings his people out of Egypt. Chapter 14 says the Lord saved, same word rescue as verse 17, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. So those pictures are there to show us that, that in Exodus 2, God was, God was preparing Moses to be the rescuer of his people. That's how he showed his love for his suffering people. That's how they knew that he was faithful to his promises. And you and I can be certain of God's love for us today when we suffer. Because because he sent another rescuer. God the Father sent his one and only son into the world to rescue us from our slavery to sin. See, some people say, I would believe in God if he showed up. Well, he has shown up. He's shown up in the person of the Lord Jesus. He's come to be the rescuer we all need. And that shows us that God is is not distant from the events of the world. He's not distant from our sufferings. He cares about the detail of our lives. And we know that for sure because, because he sent his one and only son. That's how we know that he cares about our suffering. What a wonderful God we have. A God who cares about our suffering. A God who shows that by sending his own son as our rescuer. Well, in response to our compassionate God, we're going to sing together. So if I can invite the music group up. Uh, And as they come, I'm going to read some words of this song. You might like to sing these words in a moment as a way of calling out to God, of reminding yourself of his faithfulness. Or you might like to just listen to them and use them to praise God that he is a God who cares about our sufferings. Faithful one, so unchanging, ageless one, you're my rock of peace. Lord of all, I depend on you. I call out to you again and again. You're my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down. All through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you
0: alone. Why don't we stand to sing together? Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.